Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. Juan Ramon Jimenez wrote in his poem, Full Consciousness, you are carrying me, full consciousness. God that has desires all through the world. Here in this third sea, I almost hear your voice. Your voice, the wind, filling entirely all movements, eternal colors and eternal lights, sea colors and sea lights. Your voice full of white fire in the universe of water, the ship, the sky, marking out the roads with delight. Engraving for me with a blazing light my firm orbit, a black body with a glowing diamond in its center. Life is better with Juan Ramon Jimenez. To think about the, I've been thinking about all the different people who nourish me. And I'm so glad I know some of their names. Some of them I've never met personally. And I've been thinking about, as we were talking about in the midday sit today, about I often in the midday sit, sit in front of, in the tonight too, in front of our ancestor altar and to really think about seeing you know, my grandmother and my Aunt Rose and my Grandma Judy and my Grandma Dorothy and my Zumi Roshi and all of these people. So many that I've known and knew less. Our cats are there. All together. I love the idea of my Zumi Roshi and my grandmother and our beloved cat Snowshoe all together. And Juan Ramon Jimenez who wrote these amazing poems. So just wonder about who you are grateful for. Who has formed you? Who nourishes you? both those that you know and those who just inspire you, their words, their music, maybe the way that they walk down the street. 
we were coming back from my evening walk last night and we paused and got to just watch our amazing super. His name is Jesus. And it, it's so funny because every time he signs something, it says Super Jesus. <laughs> so just in case you didn't know who he was, you know, Super Jesus. And uh, the way he walks into the building, you see him checking on things. Like just, you know, looking from side to side the door and just making that sure things are attended to. I just love watching him as he transitions into spaces so attentively. I love going downstairs. And uh, the other day I was bringing our compost down to the basement and he and his sons with their masks and gloves were sorting the trash with laughter. So beautiful. To me, it was very much like this black body with a diamond glowing in the center that Juan Ramon is writing about. This luminous quality in the midst of sorting trash or entering a building. And the gratitude of so many. To me, it's so much what informs my days and somehow more these days than other days. And beautiful incense coming from Shishin's altar. Just learning to pay attention. been thinking a lot about snakes recently and uh, I was talking with a friend about snakes and I love snakes and I they scare me and they are deeply interesting to me and I forgot that all around our bedroom are these snakes these handles of the handles of every cupboard has a it's like a this carved snake <laughs> I don't know where they came from. But it's just so interesting to invite in that which interests you and scares you. Instead of just feeling the fear of things, but to be interested in them and welcoming them in to be so we can see them a bit closer. I wonder what, how you're working with your fears and anxieties. And how do you welcome them in and to see them closer? It feels so important. Instead of just like this scary thing knocking on your door, what happens if you invite it in and get to know it? And then let it go on its way. So tonight I wanted to
talk about the 25th case of the Blue Cliff record. Wojcik <laughs> allows my iPad to stay where it is. Let's see. Okay. And the 25th case of Blue Cliff record is called The Hermit of Lotus Flower Peak Holds Up His Staff which is such a beautiful title. The pointer is if your potential does not leave its fixed position, you tumble down into the poison sea. If your words don't startle the crowd, you fall into the streams of the commonplace. I was talking to someone earlier and I was just talking about how reading that first line and burst into tears today. your potential does not leave its fixed position. You tumble down into the poison sea. How many of us have tumbled many times into the poison sea of our greed and anger and our ignorance? our fears, believing our fear, believing limitation. The potential, of course, is our Buddha nature, which is ever-changing. your potential does not leave its fixed position if we just, you know, contract. And these days it's very easy to contract and contract and contract. I know many people have been feeling enormous despair. And there have been so many losses. And it's so easy to contract and contract. So easy to tumble down into the poison sea. And who doesn't know what that's like? And, and there's something so moving about that. Somehow they were having the same experience 1,500 years ago when this koan was created. And somehow we think that our tumbling into the sea is personal. Or another reason why we're not correct or okay or beautifully sane. 
heartbreak of this about how we fix our potential, hide it. There's a wonderful story of this monk and he you know, was very destitute and his friend sews a, a jewel into his robe and for many years he, go, he never finds the jewel and becomes more and more destitute and then they years and years later he they meet up again and he's totally destitute in the same robe but just very worn and his friend said oh you know 20 years ago i sewed into your robe these incredible jewels they're right here <laughs> like boy check is right here gets very jealous of the, at least that's my story. He's very jealous of the attention I give to the screen. But just like that monk who has the jewels right here, our potential is always right here. The boundlessness, the freedom is always right here. But we don't see it. Because that monk was so like, oh, into how hard his life was. How his life was not correct. And how unfortunate it was. And all of us have that in some way. We have some storyline. I think that's what, you know, made me so tearful today. It's so beautiful, and it's so beautiful to realize, like, oh, we share this. We share this. We tumble down into the sea again and again together. And to me, this is in some ways the opportunity of this time to tumble into the sea, the poison sea, or how we all get into trouble. We all get caught by our anxiety and fear of this time, in all times. To me, as we've been talking about, like the really, it's also the opportunity to really see something new. Kind of what's always been true is just more true now. So the koan uh, says, the hermit of Lotus Flower Peak held up his staff and showed it to the assembly and said, when the ancients got here, 
why didn't they just stay consent just to stay here? When they arrived here, why didn't they just consent just to stay here? No one in the Sangha replied. Maybe they were on mute. So he responded, the teacher responded. He said, because they did not gain strength on the road. And again, he said, in the end, how is it? And again, he himself answered again from their hesitation, their silence. With my staff across my shoulder, I pay no heed to people. I go straight into the myriad peaks. He's asking, you know, when the ancients got here, so when our ancestors arrived, our Zen ancestors, they got to where they are. They didn't consent to stay there. Very often in practice, we kind of get to a certain place in our practice and we often, it's so easy to consent to stay there. Like, oh, I did enough, I'm aware enough, or I sat 30 minutes this morning, so I'm good, or I studied the precepts once, or anyone ever do any of these kinds of things. Two of you. <laughs> so he's saying that the ancients, that the beauty of this path is that we don't consent just to stay wherever we are. We say like, oh, I'm here, but, and now what? And some of you know, I like to say things like perhaps, you know, like, cause we, often kind of lock ourselves into one position like we think we know something i'm this kind of person or i've gotten to this place in my practice or whatever that is i already washed my hands earlier Did you wash your hands this time? Did you actually experience your hands when you washed them today? Were you attentive like our marvelous Super Jesus? Really noticing your hands. What are they like today? I was talking with a friend who said, she said I'd kill for a mani petty these days. I think she was joking, but uh, 
but it's so interesting but then she was talking about like how she's actually noticed what how her nails actually grow what her hands are actually like she's been noticing them more noticing her feet more so not consenting just be like ah whatever but what is it How are your hands? How is your face? What are you noticing? What's possible? So, you know, the Sangha didn't respond to his question about, well, why didn't they consent to stay here? And she said, because they did not gain strength on the road. So on the path, they didn't gain strength. Because we don't gain anything. Many people, you know, we come to practice often. I know for, I did for many years. I felt like, well, if I received Yukai and then I ordained and whatever, then my life, then I would gain a sense of well-being. Or if I did a lot of retreats and listened to every Dharma talk, and then I'll be more compassionate. Have more spiritual strength, maybe. More resolve. You know, it's thought to be like a kind of a wonderful barometer for the practice is like, how are you living in accord to the conditions of your life? How are you living in harmony? with the conditions of your life. Those of you who are in New York might hear the bells and pots right now. Here on the Upper West Side, it's wild. There are even conch shells lately in our neighborhood. And I saw yesterday a man with a shofar blowing it out the window. So beautiful. Living in accord with the conditions of our life. living in accord with this time in our life, with this virus, with people I can see out the window, people leaning out with their pots, living in accord with people leaning out their window with pots and wooden spoons. 
living in accord with your fears and anxieties. But not stopping there. Not trying to gain something from it. How do you actually function spontaneously? This is a, like a spirit that is so appreciated in Zen. Spontaneity. Freely responding to whatever the situation is. It's hard to do that when we're trying to control the situation or we fear what the situation may be. But like learning to like actually flow with conditions. Because, and also the willingness to sometimes just allow our heart to break and to break and to break. I was talking with a friend last night who was um, rather inconsolable. Because their aunt died of COVID-19 and in a nursing home and they don't know where the body is anymore. In some freezer truck, maybe. The aunt that used to climb into her bed and read her stories. To be in accord with that reality. says in one of the commentaries to this con, when people these days bump into reality, they think that's enough. <laughs> Though they get to it, what can be done about their fat-headedness and confusion? This is again why I love these stories so much, you know. Long time people, we've been fat headed for a long time. Too much thinking. We bump into it and we think that's enough. Like, oh, you know, I met practice and the Dharma's great and everything, but you know, that's enough. And that alone is so, is in a way kind of sorrowful. 
not allowing ourselves again to flow with the world. Some of you know, one of the first people that, aside from my grandmother, that Chodo and I took care of was an amazing woman named Rose Tisnato. And I've just been thinking a lot about her lately. And she was a wild woman. <laughs> she was like very funky East Village person. And uh, so exuberant and so, an artist and just an amazing woman. And I just remember her like grabbing Chodo's arm. And, you know, maybe two weeks before she died, she's like, never hold back. You know? And I feel like in many ways she was embodying exactly what these teachings are about. Not holding back. How do you hold back? What's your hesitation? Now that we've all bumped into the Dharma, what now? How will you practice with everything? How will you not leave your fixed, your potential in a fixed position? How will you not leave your Buddha nature, the Tathagata's true meaning? Not leave it, but to use it and to actually feel it from your hara and widen out into your life. What could be better? <laughs>